News. Culture. Community. Every day. On 1019 WDET. A different kind of public radio. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. This week, we've been looking at the effects of the Affordable Care Act since it was signed into law in 2010. Today, we're going to hear from an insurance provider here in our region, and we'll hear how Obamacare has made providing care more difficult or easier for hospitals. And we want to hear from you. Has Obamacare made good on its promises for you and your family? Have your premiums changed dramatically? Do you have health insurance for the first time because of the Affordable Care Act? Give us a call, 313-577-1019, to talk about how this law is affecting your life and also how it's affecting your choices this year. Are you casting your ballots uh, for president uh, in the primary and then later in November? Are you really thinking about the Affordable Care Act, its future, whether you want it to go away, whether you want it improved, or you think it's working just fine? Again, 313-577-1019. 1019 is the number. Uh, joining me now is Matt Walsh, who is the COO of Health Alliance Plan, to talk about the effect on insurers. Matt, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people talked early on about this law being a boon to insurers in particular because of the mandate that was going to require people to carry insurance or pay a penalty. And the, 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 the sort of stability that that would bring to an industry that, uh, uh, that, that sometimes is, is rocked by a lot of un- uncertainty. Uh, talk about how that has played out, though, since the law passed in 2010, uh, started to be implemented in, in, in 2011. What does it look like in 2016 from the position of someone like Health Alliance Plan? Well, it's been an interesting few years, I can say that. <laughs> uh, you know, I think the Affordable Care Act and it, that combined even with Medicare Advantage uh, that was implemented before that right. ha- has really fundamentally changed health insurance. You know, first of all, the market has gotten bigger. Uh, so according to the New York Times, we went from about 84% of Americans having insurance now up to about 90%. Right. So, so that's good. Uh, employer-based health insurance has stayed pretty static, which was not what was expected. Uh, many had predicted that that was going to shrink. So where the growth is, is in the, that individual market. So Medicare, Medicaid, and the health exchange business, which, if you think about it, is all individual business, right? It's, it's individuals picking insurance and paying for it themselves. Yeah. Uh, and that has fundamentally changed our business. So rather than being predominantly a business-to-business type structure, we're uh, much more you know, having to do business-to-consumer selling and servicing. Uh, and, you know, healthcare is complex. Several of your guests have pointed that out over the past few days. Yeah. And, you know, for individuals having to buy insurance on their own, they, they, in that case, they don't have their HR department or, or other help, people to help them navigate. So one of the things we've had to do is, that, you know, implement per, personal service coordinators, you know, which are individuals that will work with people who get insurance and help them navigate those first couple of years through all the all the complexities that's in, that, that exist. Yeah. Uh, what about competition? One of the things that uh, that we thought this law would, would affect was 
higher levels of competition among insurers for clients and that that would keep premiums and things like that uh, under under control is that is that happening i mean are you feeling the pressure or more pressure now at hap to compete with other providers uh, to to make sure that you are you're able to get people to to sign up well, you know, there's never been a shortage of competition um, in this region in particular. Uh, I think we're having to compete in different venues probably than we did before. Uh, and certainly price is a key uh, competitive differentiator. But, you know, trying to get that message out to individuals and help them understand so they're making good decisions is, is always a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about costs from the insurer's side? What 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 has the ACA done to your costs uh, mm-hmm. uh, over since 2011? Well, if you think about it, the 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 transition from this business to business to business consume to consumer structure, it's created a much more administrative cost in doing that. So. Um, one of your guests a couple of days ago pointed out the, the challenges of working with the government on uh, the health exchange business and the transferring of all the data back and forth and then all the marketing and then all the compliance. And so I think it's created in the marketplace a, a desire to consolidate, right? So you've got the, the big mega deals that are going on right now, this Cigna Anthem uh, combination and the Aetna Humana combination where organizations are trying to figure out how to get greater scale because you need to be able to capture efficiencies as a business gets more complex. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Matt Walsh. He is the COO of Health Alliance Plan. We're talking about the effect of the Affordable Care Act on insurers. Uh, passed in 2010, it began to be implemented in 2011. Now, five years into that process, what does the ACA look like from the standpoint of insurers? And of course, we also want to hear from you. What does the ACA look like from your kitchen table where you make decisions about insurance and bills and costs and, and all of those things. Uh, give us a call at 313-577-1019 if you want to join the conversation. Again, that's 313-577-1019. What do you think about the Affordable Care Act? What effect has it had on your life? And what effect is it maybe having on your decisions, your electoral decisions this year? Uh, are you looking at candidates and thinking about the way they might change or preserve the Affordable Care Act. Again, the number is 313-577-1019. Let's go to Nancy in Clinton Township. Nancy, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Hi. I don't want to see the ACA go away because I know a lot more folks have insurance and it's been beneficial for my daughter. However, our premiums and our deductibles have become so high that we can't even use our insurance right now. Yeah. We're paying cash. Uh, And we had to take our daughter off and have her go on Medicaid because it was 1300 a month just for our family. Well, so uh, I would like to see that change. Uh, talk about, I mean, talk a little more, I mean, if you're comfortable, Nancy, about what, what, what it is that you're seeing uh, in, in your plan. What, what changed about your plan? First of all, obviously, your daughter, uh, you say you were able to keep her on the plan. I, I, I'm, I'm reading into this a bit, but I, I, I surmise that you were able to keep her on your plan uh, past the age of, of 21. Is that right? Right, and we should have been able to keep her on. She turns 26 this year. Okay, but we just simply couldn't afford to keep her on the plan because, because the, the cost premiums got so high. We used to pay, gosh, I think four or five hundred dollars a month for our family, and 
and everything was covered. And now it's almost $1,000 a month. The premium is $13,000. I can't get an EpiPen. Right. So right. I would really love to see that changed. I mean, I had a friend give me an EpiPen because it was $500. Uh, and, and so what you're saying is now you're paying, you said you're, now you're paying cash. Talk, talk about what that means. You're paying cash for Okay, medical? for example, I had to go get an x-ray on my foot. Right. And I didn't want to use the insurance because it would have cost me three times the money. So I paid cash for it. I see. So instead of paying five hundred dollars for an X-ray, I paid one hundred and twenty. Wow, wow, uh, Nancy, I, I appreciate your call and I appreciate your candor about your experience uh, with the law. Uh, Matt Walsh, talk about uh, what she's talking about. The the skyrocketing premiums is is something I hear from a lot of people uh, when they talk about the Affordable Care Act. Yeah, I mean affordability is the key challenge as we move forward with the act. You know, I think we all believe that there are tweaks that need to be made to make the the, the coverage more more efficient and more more cost effective. You know, you've got a few different levers that I think are being contemplated right now in Washington. One is pharmacy cost. You know, the the good news is that we have some wonderful medicines being developed that are curing people of diseases, uh, which is a good thing, but the the cost that Americans are paying for those is exorbitant, and that that gets baked into you know the coverage costs for everybody. Uh, I think the other place where the government is really focused right now is on payment reform. So how they are reimbursing providers for the care that they give and incentivizing them to identify ways to eliminate waste out of the the process. So the transitions from the hospital to home and uh, helping keep people out of the hospital and keep them healthy, which should help address the the affordability issue that I think many people face today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talk about the the attraction of new players into the the market uh, here in Michigan. That was also one of the things that that we thought might happen uh, as a result of the Affordable Care Act. Has that happened and and what effect has it had? You know, we really haven't seen the introduction of new players into the market here. I think that, you know, um, I think what you are seeing is that many health systems are looking to develop their own health plans. So as payment reform takes shape uh, on the provider constituent of health care, uh-huh. there's a you know, an opportunity to start to provide insurance through their own delivery system. And so you're starting to see some of that happening. But as far as, you know, new major entrance of health insurance companies in this market, we really haven't seen that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Matt Walsh, COO of Health Alliance Plan. Thanks very much for being with us on Detroit Today. My pleasure, Stephen. All right. Uh, Up next, we're going to talk with Conrad Mallett from the Detroit Medical Center about Obamacare's effect on hospitals and on health care here in the city of Detroit. Stay with us on Detroit Today.
You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. This week, we have been looking at the effects of the Affordable Care Act since it was signed into law in 2010, started to take effect in 2011. I'm pleased to welcome Conrad Mallett. He's the Chief Administrative Officer at the Detroit Medical Center uh, to Detroit Today to talk about the effect on hospitals and to talk about the effect on healthcare here in the city of Detroit. Of course, uh, healthcare looks different in cities like Detroit because of uh, the various cultural and uh, economic issues that we have. Conrad Mallett, welcome to Detroit Today. Stephen, good to see you, my yeah, friend. Good to see Good you to be too. Uh, talk to me about what's changed over at the DMC because of the Affordable Care Act over the last five years. The Affordable Care Act clearly has been an economic uh, boon for hospitals across the country yeah. that are in states that have it. Uh, our uncompensated care burden, Stephen, depending on how you count the money, let's say before the Affordable Care Act, before Healthy Michigan came to Michigan was $60 million a year. Now it's less than $10 million a year. And, the, and even then, that might be slightly inflated. What happens is so many people in the community uh, go on the insurance and then for whatever reason don't in a timely manner renew. So let me give you an interesting statistic. Yeah. We are almost enrolling 750 people a week in our hospital emergency room. So a lot of that, Stephen, is re-enrollment. Uh, and so it, 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 it is a little, so when I say it's the, it's dropped by $50 million, there's no question about that. <laughs> the $10 million uh, that we're currently carrying is a constantly moving number because we get Mrs. Smith on, she then uh, 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 comes into the hospital a year later. She's not on insurance. We get her back on. Payment is delayed. But nevertheless, it has been a very, very, very welcome uh, support for the hospitals. No question about it. Yeah. What is it about the the re-enrolling that's that's perplexing people? You think? They well, just and the, and the, 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 these are issues. I mean, you you you've done a lot of conversations on this show about the pathology associated with poverty. Sure, sure. Mrs. Smith is going to move, and the state of Michigan is going to send the re-enrollment information to a place she no longer is. Uh, Mrs. Smith is not going to want to pay the copay. Mrs. Smith makes a decision that you know what I went to see my doctor. The uh, illness that I had, I no longer have. I'm not doing this anymore yeah. uh, because there are other issues in my life that are more important. So there's no one thing. And so as we talk about the very, very positive effects of the Affordable Care Act and Healthy Michigan on cities like Detroit, we do need to come to the absolute reality that, th that this is a part of the uh, puzzle this is a tool in the kit. This is not the answer uh, to solving all of our ills associated with uh, racism and classism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Conrad Mallett. He is the Chief Administration Officer at the Detroit Medical Center. We're talking about the effect 
of the Affordable Care Act on hospitals uh, and on folks here in the city of Detroit who are served by the Detroit Medical Center. Uh, We want to hear from you, too. What has happened to you since the Affordable Care Act started to be implemented in uh, 2011? Uh, Has it made good on its promises for you and your family? Have your premiums changed a lot? Do you have health insurance maybe for the first time because of the Affordable Care Act? We want to hear from you at 313-577-1019. Also, tell us how it's affecting your, your electoral choices here in 2016, are you looking at the presidential candidates thinking about the way they think about the Affordable Care Act, whether they'll preserve it, whether they'll change it, or uh, as one candidate says, whether they'll get rid of it. Uh, Again, the number is 313-577-1019. Conrad, I know that uh, uncompensated care was, was probably the driving financial issue at the hospital before um, before this, but there was also, uh, I would say maybe just as big an issue with people uh, using the emergency room Mm -hmm. as primary care, people who don't uh, take that annual trip to the doctor to find out uh, what's going on with them. And then when they do get sick, they show up in the emergency room, which of course costs uh, way more as well. Part of what, uh, part of the the purpose of the law was to try to reduce that as well. Talk about what that looks like at the DMC. So, uh, frankly, uh, emergency room visits uh, at the Detroit Medical Center, Stephen, have not gone down. Is that right? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, we we under the leadership of our chief medical officer Suzanne White. In fact, we put together a program called Gateway, where really what we are doing is having people who overutilize the emergency department for primary care actually come back to the emergency department to see a primary care doctor, period. So what Gateway does is simply say that between the hours of 8 in the morning until 11 o'clock at night, if you can get to the emergency room, we will get you in front of a primary care physician so that we can help you better manage your care. The thing that we understand is this and this and Stephen again? I mean, I, I really, uh, you know, gotta gotta say that you've done a wonderful job talking about these issues. When 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 you're dealing with someone who is in a very very challenging circumstance, when they go to the doctor, they want to go someplace that's safe. They want to go someplace that's open. Yeah. They want to go to someplace, Stephen, that is going to treat them in a respectful manner, not judge them when they get there. And their experience, frankly, is that one of the few places where that has ever been true is the emergency room. Is the room. emergency room. So they go back, and, 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 and it's really open when I need it yeah. to be. Yeah. Not between 9 and 5 <laughs> right. when the doctor is there and when it's convenient for them. And so part of what the issue is, what, what, and what hospitals are doing, I think, with some degree of energy, is really making a decision to deliver the care where people are. So you're absolutely right. We have not seen the uptick uh, in primary care service delivery in the way that we thought. Having said that, you don't have as many primary care physicians in the city of Detroit as you need. As you used to, right? As you used to and as you still currently need, one. Two, the other piece of this is, and Dr. Uh, Abdul Saeed, the new public health director, uh, under the leadership of Dr. Roy Wilson, Wayne State University. They just had this conference on the social barriers to health. Uh, and really what we've determined is, and have known for a while, but really talking about it now very directly, you're going to really need to have a continuum. You are not going to be able to get Mrs. Jones 
in the a healthy medical state if the only thing that you're offering her is health insurance. Right, right. Yeah, you have to sort of reach out much further Absolutely. to her. And, and there's, there's sort of a public... I don't want to say public education, but a sort of public involvement campaign that really needs to sort of attend these changes to get people to understand what they can, what they're now eligible for, and how to use it. I think, Steve, it goes more than that, frankly. Yeah. What I think is, is that if we decide that as a part of the health condition that Mrs. Jones is dealing with is her own poverty, then what we determine is if poverty then, Stephen, is a treatable condition, right, right. then there are a variety of things that we have to do to treat the condition, including making you more healthy. But we probably may have to also figure out, are, you, are your lights on? Do you have water? Do you have a stable housing situation? Are you uh, caring for a grandchild that has perhaps special needs? What is your circumstance that is affecting your health? Right. And then creating around this person a relatively seamless way to manage all of these issues effectively. Now, if we can create a circumstance, one of the things that I think that where President Obama has been particularly uh, uh, insightful. He's thrown a lot of this responsibility on the hospitals because we're the best organized. Sure. We do have this administrative capability. So you have something called uh, the readministration, uh, excuse me, readmission penalty. Mrs. Jones comes back within 30 days for whatever reason you, your, your reimbursement rate goes down. So the hospitals have begun looking out of their four walls. Now we're also by the federal government having to look at outcomes, not just process, yeah. but outcomes. And, and, and the reality is, is that we can't produce the positive outcomes the government is demanding if uh, there is no way to seamlessly help Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Smith figure out how to navigate all of these services that in a town like this are available. Yeah. So, the, so if we could get just the smallest amount of reimbursement for work, Stephen, that we've never done, but that we now know clearly and unequivocally needs to be done, needs to be done yeah. then I think we're—so I really am very optimistic that we are about on the, we are on the precipice of developing a system to get at these problems in a real fundamental way. Yeah. Uh, we have some calls here. Let's go to uh, Pat in Detroit. Pat, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, thanks, Stephen. I mm -hmm. want to say I started out anti-hospital, and then when I listened to your caller, <laughs> I've actually changed my mind. Well, there you go. Conrad Mallett's doing his job here. <laughs> yeah, it's not as evil as I thought. Uh, go uh, ahead, Pat. Uh, my comments on the politics of it, I just really, I wanted to be a Republican for 12 years, and I just can't, <laughs> I can't abide by the candidates. And then the whole talk of the Affordable Care Act, I just don't a viable alternative presented, I keep seeing I'm going to repeal the Affordable Care Act, but that's just not, I don't think it's physically possible. I don't think it would be good for the economy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just, it's frustrating to me uh, that they can't come up with something. And I don't think people would want it. You know, this on your health care until 26 is fantastic. And I think yeah. there'd be a, a revolt if they tried to get rid of it. Yeah. So anyway, I just uh, wish the Republicans had a better alternative. Yeah. No, Pat, thank you very much. Uh, for that call, uh, Conrad, of course, the Republicans have voted, I think, 41 times since 2010, the House uh, Republicans to, to, to repeal 
uh, Obamacare. And of course, uh, that hasn't happened because, I mean, the president would never sign that bill, even if it got to his desk. Right. But and I don't think that's a practical alternative. You can't sort of walk back off the the plank here. Um, but there are some changes that, that we should be able to talk about and some things that, that could be improved. And we never seem to be able to get to that point because we're still fighting over over the repeal. But talk about some of the things that from the hospital's standpoint could be changed to make it even better. Well, I think that, and, and, and Pat, your previous caller from Clinton Township, I mean, I think that the co-pays are a huge burden yeah. uh, on the population, but be they middle class or, or, or persons who are resting uh, on, on uh, uh, Medicaid. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and how we look at the co-pays in order to drive uh, 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 behavior and also you know, manage these costs better, I think is going to be critical. So what you have, Stephen, is, and we've become good at it, but imagine how uncomfortable it is. You come into the ED. Now, we don't ask and talk about money before you are treated, sure. but eventually someone does arrive at your bedside and say, Mr. Henderson, uh, we've looked Who's at your insurance. Yeah. Your copay is X. How are you going to pay that? And, 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 and it's an uncomfortable situation for us. It's a huge intrusion on you. Uh, we've got to figure out a better way. And, but the law requires us, Stephen, to in fact have that conversation. We can't waive your copay. Right. We have to take steps to collect. You gotta go get it. Right. Gotta go get it. Yeah. And so that's 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 something that we need to look at. The other piece of it is, and I'm not suggesting for a millisecond that we have two standards of care because, quote, my patients are sicker. Yeah. What I do think is, is that I would like to sit with the regulators because I do think that the issue of outcome-based uh, 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 payment is an important one for us to talk about. We do need to figure out how we are going to more seamlessly deliver the services that this population of persons requires. We've got to figure out uh, for those people who are on the insurance exchange, how to get those copays down. Uh, but it's, isn't it interesting, though? What Pat said was, she said, "I did. I paid for the X-ray myself, myself, and it was one hundred and twenty dollars, yeah. as opposed to going and using my managed care, where it would have been five hundred. Yeah. Now that's." Something there is askew, right? There's, there's, <laughs> there's a gap right. there that we need to understand. But you see the beauty of the Affordable Care Act. Well, now, what Pat ought to get, having paid that $120 out of her pocket, is a copay is credit. Is a copay credit. That's exactly. right. Exactly. That's right. So this is an interest. So it, it, and, and I think that this is the kind of discussion that were we not in this constant state of I hate it. I love it. I right. hate it. I love it. And we could actually get to we could start ways to make this better. I'm exactly. hopeful if we get the right president in the, in, in November that uh, that we'll get to that space. I hope so. Conrad uh, Mallett, uh, Chief Administration Officer of the Detroit Medical Center. Thank you for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for us this week. I will be back Monday. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET Detroit. Wayne State's public radio station. I'll see you Monday.